Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. Maybe you're listening on the internet. I don't know where you are, but if you are listening, you are joined by Lawson and... Rick. Oh, so good. So <laughs> good. Great to have you here, Rick. It's good to be back. It's been a week, I think, so nice. Yep, great to be here. Oh, and, and on Christmas Eve. And on say. Christmas yeah. Eve, how good. I I feel where you're at totally. I, have, I haven't been here since... Last Thursday, yeah. So I'm I'm fresh back. I spent some time down in Melbourne, being incredibly blessed. I went down there and uh, uh, spent some time with uh, some people from Gateway Church, learning how to do campus ministry. Right. Um, if you didn't know Rick, and for those who don't know who are listening, I also work at the Newcastle Uni campus um, for the Newcastle University Adventist Church, and we're doing amazing work there, trying to reach the student population, the student body, with a message of Christ. And so we went down to. To Gateway, went down to Melbourne, learned how to um, basically get it done, spent some time with some of the, the pastors and the elders down there, mm. and ultimately we've come, I've come back incredibly blessed. And we also had a bit of a group down there with, Great. with us as well. Great. Rick, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, look, it's this time of year, it's, uh, with COVID and everything, it's family. It's mm. just great. Uh, we've got a little granddaughter with us who's doing a sleepover for a couple of nights, oh, awesome. and she's seven. So uh, we tend to forget how precious those relationships wow. are. Mm. So it's really valuable. Oh, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. I tell you what, I am so much looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. We're at a point in terms of my family where all of my, all of the, you know, my siblings are all adults, but no one has kids yet. So we're still, we do Secret Santa. Yeah. That's our thing for Christmas. We all buy each other gifts. Yeah. And so I'm like hanging out. Oh, what did, what did, I don't yeah. know who got to get me. And I know what I got someone else. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hopefully this is good. So, um, oh man, it's a, it's a fun time as well. Also though, tomorrow is we're going to church. I'm, I'm speaking at yeah, church. So that's right. Blessing. Saturday on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, Positively Different. All right, let's have a look at some positively different views. And it's good to come back after a while and kind of dive back into the world of positively different news or the things that I'm particularly interested in, uh, which is, you know, when I'm on the show, I like to cover um, advancements in uh, medical technology and archaeology in renewable energy, these kinds of things. And starting with renewable energy and and things like that, um, scientists have made it a biodegradable uh, battery that can be buried in soil. When you're finished with it. Seriously. Now, this is huge because, and this is something that me and Lyle have talked about a bunch on Faith FM. Whenever we've looked at kind of battery technology and electric technology, particularly in relationship to cars and and what's going on there, right now, most um, car manufacturers, for example, and with phones and everything, they're opting to use the lithium battery battery solution, um, which is like great to make a battery out of. Um, but lithium-ion batteries are incredibly toxic. Yeah. And they, you need... It's very labor-intensive to be able to um, dispose of them. But these guys are making biodegradable zinc batteries um, that... It's just a proof of concept at the moment. They haven't chucked it in a smartphone or anything. Um, and they've, they've been powering some things with it. But it can be buried, and it's essentially like a piece of paper. 
So check this out. So they had this like this battery, this zinc battery. It's like a piece of paper. Um, and this team from NTU Singapore, so there's a you know university um, and a company over there. Um, they demonstrated that a four by four square piece of printed paper, this printed paper battery, um, could power a small electric fan for forty five minutes. Um, they could pick the the battery up. They could bend it in half. They could like. You know, and it would keep powering the battery. They even cut pieces <laughs> off the battery while it was running this fan, and the fan kept going. Kept going. They yeah. they did the same test with an uh, you know an LED. At the moment, though, you know, like small fans and LEDs, yeah. they're things that are incredibly easy to power. I saw a video once where a guy was powering an LED by plugging a potato. <laughs> Uh, he plugged he plugged an LED into a potato and then he like because there is like this tiny minuscule amount of an electric current in in a potato and he let it like build up and build up and build up and build up and then it would exert enough energy to power the light for ten seconds yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. so so basically like everything has a, some kind yeah. of electric power in it um, but if they can really harness, harness this, the zinc into yeah. these electric batteries they're literally yeah they're like cutting pieces off and it's still powering this light then this is fantastic technology. Not only because, like, firstly, it's biodegradable, but secondly, it's easy to make, yeah. easy to source. Um, and ultimately, like, the big thing that we're looking for in the future, the, the challenge of, you know, particularly when we look at vehicles and power stations and all those kinds of things, as we change that technology, it's how do we um, correctly implement new renewable technologies whilst, you know... Dismantling the dismantling old. Dismantling the old. Uh, but even, you know, when it comes to servicing. And, yep. and this obviously, like, because we've only we've only been into combustion technology for at the very most the last 200 years. Yep. Um, so we didn't really put heavy and deep thought forethought into it as we're getting it going. We were just like, oh, you know, you could put coal in a furnace and yep. it makes power. Yep. <laughs> uh, and now we're kind of reaping the consequences of that. We're saying, oh, man, there's all these issues. And now as the world is so quick as the world is so fast and we're trying to come up with ways to replace this yep. technology, there is a lot of forethought going into, oh, how can we actually yeah. get this done? And so this is a huge step in terms of, you know, biodegradable, very, you know, not very labour intensive and they can make the switch quite quickly. I'd, I'd be amazed at the battery use in the world. I'd be amazed how many mobile phones are out there, just mobile phones in yeah. the world. Well, a mobile phone, like, I think it's it's... Easily in the billions, have to be in 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 the multi billions because it's like if you go on like the like the Play Store or the App Store or whatever, there's apps that have been downloaded a couple billion times, like you know apps that come on those particular phones. So so yeah, no, this but this is the thing is that we're looking for in the future, um, and what we're really struggling with is what's yeah e waste. Electronic waste. Yeah. Now that now I'm I'm referring to yeah electronic devices and and how they take up space within you know landfills and whatnot. Yep. Yep. And the fact that yeah they're also incredibly toxic, especially when you, like battery technology is incredibly difficult to dispose of. And even like yeah the batteries that you put in your television remote and, and those kinds of things. Like we have special bins and whatnot for them because there is a proper way that they needed need to be yes. deal with dealt with so that they don't contaminate whole areas so yeah this is this is the, the step that's that needs exciting to isn't it yeah imagine coming up with ways of disposing of of, of technology of mm. that sort of stuff that actually replenishes the earth not just fills but replenishes <sighs> the earth 
And that's exactly what this is too, because like, and they were talking about the application of it as well. They're like, oh, you could put this in foldable smartphones and you could fit these in any type of little space because they're so malleable, yet they continue powering, which is great. Um, but then like on top of that, you don't. You're not just creating a huge garbage patch that's that needs it. to be incinerated. Yes, because that's where we're at yep, at the moment. We have it. so much e-waste that it's like, what do we do with yeah. this other than burn it and then, you know, create greenhouse gases? So it's like this is this is the struggle. In other science news, um, in other you know different things, this is a story I've been covering for a couple months. The James Webb Telescope, the new one that's replacing Hubble, um, and basically it has been under a series of delays in terms of. Uh, Launching, uh, f- firstly, it was because it was, I think it was supposed to take off initially in October, and then it was like, oh no, we don't have the ability to do it because we're not ready yet. And, and then stepping forward, and then it was like, oh, the weather's bad, and oh, we've had this severe weather event, and we've done this, and we've done this, but finally, tomorrow, Christmas Day is the day in which they are going to launch the single most, uh, expensive ah. space object that has ever gone into space um into well in terms of like currently telescopes and whatnot this is a 10 billion dollar successor to the hubble telescope um keep the change yeah that's right 10 billion (laughs) dollars the hubble telescope has been flying around in space since the 1990s it's been doing amazing work um but this is just the james webb one it has the ability to see way farther to operate in much diverse temperatures it's just a basic update it's also six thousand kilos lighter so than than the current hubble telescope um but it has like a far bigger mirror which is you know the the mechanism that uses to be able to see into space and they're hoping to see events that are like 13 to 20 billion light years away Away. and just craziness and admit this is something me and Lyle have been talking about we're super keen to see how this goes because obviously like especially as Christians we look out into space this is God's creation yeah. we're looking out into something that, and we can learn so much yeah. about him and it's so crazy like this point that we've made as well that every time um, they've done sp- space exploration um, they've ultimately been inadvertently converted, Com- uh, uh, confirming, confirming yeah. what the what the Bible has said. Now, the people would maybe stand up to that claim and they'd say, "Oh, but but what about these events? And they're so many billion light years away, and we could only you know see them, and that would necessitate a, the billions of years yeah, of the universe." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, light if light's created by God in an instant, well, then it's gonna be there already. But secondarily to that, you know, when we look at um, the space landing and, uh, sorry, the moon landing and and these kind of events that took place and we can see so clearly evidences of, oh man, like this is something, yeah, this is completely predicted. It's actually one of the reasons how we know the moon landing is not staged is because it it, is so much of it confirmed Christian science rather than evolutionary yeah. science. Like, in the way in which they did that is when they landed on the moon. They thought that there would be, like, 15 metres of dust yeah. built up over bil- over billions of years, Sorry. but actually they landed straight on the ground and it confirmed a young universe and a young moon. Uh, but essentially, yeah. yeah, we're looking forward to great things here with the James Webb and it's going to take off very soon. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Rick. What's going on in the world of current news? What's happening around Australia, around the world? Well, how much? What's not happening is probably, <laughs> is probably the other question. Um, I, I was. Um, I've, I've just got to get. I've just got to find this now. Hmm. Um, oh, here we go. 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 Here nice, we go. nice. Okay. Okay. Um, 
there's a fair bit of pessimism around. There's some joy um, and there's a fair bit of pessimism around. There's been a, a survey and I'm just trying to – here we go. Mm. Um, we're getting near the end of 2021. That's right. Um, most Australians are probably keen to pull the plug on it. <laughs> mm. Although, in another way, I'm pretty excited about uh, what God's got in store, mm. you know. Uh, and it makes sense that people want to do that. Uh, it, the, look, the past year or so has been dominated by rampaging viruses, lockdowns, unemployment, health issues, you know, general malaise, freak weather, floods. Hey, you name it. It's all been there. <laughs> it's going down. And, yeah. so, and so the question was asked, is 2022 going to be any better? Mm. Um, a survey was conducted of 1,184 Australians aged 18 and over in November and it shows that only 37% of Australians are actually not pessimistic about 2022, which leaves about 63% are saying it's going to be bad, going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but 23% think it'll be worse than 2021 and 31% saying it'll be the same. Um, so a lot of Aussies out there are thinking... We're entering a new era, another year with really mixed emotions, mixed mm. feelings. Will restrictions stay in? Um, what, what's going to happen? Um, and I was really interested about older Australians are actually thinking that it might be a better year. So I was thinking, what, what brings people hope? Um, and then I thought of some of the scriptures that talk about hope and the Bible's mm. full of passages that talk about and how people navigate that sort of space. Totally. Um, can I share another story? Yeah. I just wanted to comment on that yeah, real quick yeah. about because the difference in ages, and it's been something like that's been found, like obviously for the, for older generations, um, and this is just a general rule that they've found, like it, it has, there's like a physiological effect on positivity yes. based on challenges already experienced. And that's why, um, particularly in the distance running space, like so in distance running, they've found that a lot of runners hit their peak older than you would normally think. Yep. And that's because in distance running, it's such a battle of attrition, right? Yep. Of like, you know, you just have to keep going and keep going yep. and keep going. And for the older runners, they're more confident that, oh no, it's going to like, it's going to yep. work out and they're willing to push more. Yep. It's to, interesting that it's interesting you mentioned Lawson about the ages. Can I just yeah. share some stats on the yeah, ages? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just over four in 42% of Australians aged between 18 and 24. Mm. 42% say 2022 will be better than 2021. Okay. Compared to 29% who say it'll be worse. Between 25-year-olds and 34-year-olds, 29%, 35 to 49, 33, say it will be better than 20. So there is a bit of optimism there, but it's it's, it's all tempered. And what's fascinating, more men than women think it will be actually more positive. Okay. 40% of men, 40% of men expect it to be better. Uh, compared to 34% of women. And can you imagine? Okay, it's not the question in our quiz, but it's another question. Which state do you think is the most optimistic? Probably Tasmania? No. Is it New South Wales? No. Okay, that that makes sense. Just think of the opposite of what you'd expect. Victoria? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Victorians actually, when analysing the state's feelings about the most positive, those living in Victoria... 46% 46% said next year, 2022. Now, New South Wales was just behind them. But, hey, you know what I'm thinking the, the psychology yeah. behind this is, the reasoning behind this is? It's been such a crazy year. Mm. Will it get worse? It can't. 
it'll only get better. So I'm wondering, is that the sort of motivation? That was definitely the feeling when, because we, we I was just down just there. Been so there. I was in yeah. Melbourne and that was, I feel like that was definitely the sense that people had, like, because they're just coming out of lockdown now. You're allowed to go around and, you know, live and, and, and be free. Um, and, and yeah, I feel as though a lot of people had that perspective of, oh, yeah, it's going to be, get better at the same time. Is it almost a good thing that people are pessimistic? Yeah. Is it is it almost a good thing? Because I think, especially from our perspectives as, as Christians who know their Bible, we know that we are we're we're close to the end, and we know that it's going to get worse, and we know that because of that, people will turn to God. So it's almost as though, man, maybe we need a wake up call that oh, actually things might get better, but. The general, the general. When we look at the scope of the universe and we look at the scope of our time on this earth, things are going to get yeah. worse. And yeah. I think the quicker that people realize that, the quicker they have the opportunity to go. Well, my only option is God. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting though, just how how people are trying to navigate emotionally and psychologically yes. through all these crises. Mm. Which way they're going, and and we've just noticed a lot of uh, a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, you know we, we've talked about it before, uh, whether it's here or, or or in other places, the polarization that's taking place in our community and ways of mending that, and I think a really mm. important one is is a number of our churches are looking at really constructive ways in how to engage in those processes. Mm. So you know it's a real community issue, but it, it's in the church, and um, and I I really think God's just saying to us, my people. How are you going to respond to all this? Totally. Who are you going to be in this mm. process? And when you come through this, how are you going to act in the future? What are you? Going to, what does it say about me? Mm. Big questions. Yeah, but Huge I think you're questions. right. I think people are asking, "Hey, come on! This, everything's drying up here. You know, yeah, the environment's right. drying up. Mm. We're getting angry at each other. You know, we've done that over the years and over the years. But there seems to be a tension out there, it and does. people are just saying, "How long can this keep going?" For? That's right. That's right, and I think that's a question that people should ask. Yeah, and that as Christians, we have an answer to. Yeah, epic stuff. Hey, what's going? What else is going on in news? Oh, look. Um, oh, a really quick one. We've got a short time, but I'm or this is not current. Mm-hmm. But I saw it again the other day. Um, I just I look I look for for good humanitarian news, mm-hmm. and I was reminded of. Does anyone out there remember Nicholas Winton? No, just I'm, search I, it on YouTube. Folks. I don't think I've ever heard that name. <laughs> he's the he's the man who rescued the six hundred and sixty nine Czech children from the Nazis in the Second World War. Wow! Look at it on YouTube and just get a taste of humanity is still alive and well, and there is goodness out there. And they invited him to this big auditorium. He was sitting there in the middle of hundreds of people, hundreds of people, mm. and the compere was saying, "Does anyone know this man?" If you know this man, could you stand up? He had no idea this was happening. All the people around him, the whole audience stood up, and he looked around and had tears in his eyes, wow. and the compere said, these are the people you saved. Wow. They were older, older adults now. So I think to myself, there's still something we can all do to help each other. It may not be as big as that, mm. but it's important that we get out there and create community and do things for each other. And so I just get a buzz from those stories. Oh, totally. there's so much negativity around. I just need the little prompt. This is oh well. This is the thing. Like you know, we scarcely see conditions in the world that were similar to World War Two. Yeah, you know, it's we're talking about terrible, like a t- terrible yeah. conditions of the world in which you can make the excuse to completely rescind and then leave it alone and yeah. forsake the world. Um, but we see that we have the opportunity 
um, to go out there Spot and to on. get it done, to be there for people Absolutely. in spite of the challenges and in spite of the conditions. And actually, we're going to have Etienne McClintock up next to uh, talk about some of the crazy things happening in the world revolving Christianity. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right now, we've come to our interview time, and we have on the phone Etienne McClintock from Voice in the Martyrs. Etienne, are you there with us? I am. Good morning, Lawson, and good morning, Rick. Morning. Good morning. Well, we're, we're super grateful to have you here, Etienne. I, like, you know, I'll personally say that I love it when you join the show um, and, and talk about some of the things that are happening around the world in the Christian space. And I think especially as we're building up to Christmas, I'm sure you've got, you know, some stories. So let's hear them. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Look, I've been feeling so positive just listening to you, Lawson, and also to Rick this morning about your positivity. And interesting how it's the typically the older people who tend to be a little bit more positive. Mm. And out of all the states, that Victoria would be the most positive state. It's quite amazing. They probably had a tough. They probably had it tougher than anybody else, you know. And uh, I think there's, there's, yeah, there's there's something in the human spirit. I think uh, what's that text in the Bible? There is it Ecclesiastes three eleven that says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's certainly when things get tough. You know, that uh, seems to come to the fore a little bit more for many people. But look, uh, persecution is, is uh, rife around the world. It continues to grow. Uh, we find, especially around, you know, what we'll call Christian festivals, you know, around Easter time and around Christmas time, quite often Christians are targeted, you know, because they may go mm-hmm. to church service. And, uh, you know, we've heard in the past of suicide bombers who will target churches at the time. They'll just walk in with a backpack full of explosives. In the middle of the wow. service, they'll just um, you know, detonate that bomb kill many or people will drive up to the entrances of churches as people leave and they'll even use children as shields you know you won't believe that a mother will blow up a nine-year-old child as part of their suicide bombing campaign but that's what happens and so during this time of rejoicing for you know many people uh, you know in the west in particular and other countries as well there's also a time of weeping for many people you know who remember lost loved ones and uh, those who are being mistreated at this time. So in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15 tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And of course, for more information and news items on what's happening around the world, you can go to our website, vom.com.au, and uh, you can read the latest stories there. If you just scroll down on that uh, homepage there, you'll see some stories there about a, uh, a pastor who was beheaded in Mozambique, for example, and these uh, extremists were so terrible, they actually made his wife carry his head to the, um, to the police station to go and actually lay the complaint. They're just nasty things that happen nice. around the world, you know, and some things we won't even give you the, the, the gruesome details, mm-hmm. but we tell you the stories of what people are going through. So uh, also, if people subscribe to your monthly newsletter or our Pray for the Persecuted weekly email, we'll give them a free book at the moment. We'll mail it out to you. It's normally $20, and it's called Tragedy in Kabul, Fulfilling a life purpose for God's glory by Hanali Hunabal. And normally 20 bucks, and we'll mail it out for free just for signing up to your newsletter because we want to be a voice for those who are marginalized. You know, uh, Hebrews 13 3 tells us to remember those who are imprisoned and mistreated, and it tells us to remember them in such a sense as if we are in prison with them because we are part of the same spiritual body, uh, which is obviously the body of Christ, Christ being the head. But look, a snapshot of just what's happened in the last uh, 12 months, in you know, 2021, this is our last time I'm getting to share with you on Faith FM. 
But in mm. China, you know, Christians were expecting a tough year, you know, at the beginning of 2021. Yeah. Uh, we reported on the early rain covenant church in Chengdu, Sichuan. They continues to face harassment. The authorities uh, attempted to shut down the congregation and they've reasonably been successful. And of course, the church has gone underground. But their pastor is serving a nine-year sentence, Pastor Wang Yi. Other members have also encountered persecution. You know, there's a minister, Wu Wu King. I <laughs> always struggle with these names, but uh, uh, his family had been locked in their homes. Official other families had actually been locked out of homes uh, when families have returned to places where they went. The authorities have put pressure on the, the uh, landlords to actually evict them, and some of them have been forcibly evicted. Uh, there's been attack even on Christian education. Uh, in Xinzhou, Shangqi province, uh, they arrested representatives of Abeka. Now, Abeka is a homeschooling Christian program, and you know, also a day later, they even raided another school, and uh, they are coordinating their, uh, their focused attacks under Xi Jinping's probably second cultural revolution is what you would call it. Mm. Uh, there are things that were easing up a little bit under previous um, um, leadership, but Xi Jinping has gone back to their roots in many respects. But there's also some stuff to celebrate. You know, I, I mentioned the gospel warrior uh, Chen Wenxing. Um, he had been arrested this year six times already in detention, and his detention had been anything from 10 to 20 days. And he was just recently released from a 15-day behind bars stint again. But he's such a positive guy. I mean, the Lord has done such a miraculous thing in his life to transform him from a, a criminal kind of a guy, a guy who was a, a drug addict, you're now sharing the, the, the gospel publicly. And even when he's arrested, he's just preaching and loving the people who are arresting him, and he thanks them. He says, look, I'll go with them. When he's in prison, he preaches in prison. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, actually, after six detentions now, has been released as well and continues to preach. If we go to countries in Africa like Eritrea, now there was some good news at the beginning of the year when mm. the two people who had been in prison for a long time, like the twin Theodros and Musi Ayob, had been released. Now, Twin was first arrested in 2004. Now, if you, you Google it, you'll find it's a remarkable story of courage, suffering, beatings, and torture. And then Musi was arrested in Saudi Arabia in 2011. Now, this guy is uh, very bold. He was actually talking to Muslims as they were leaving the mosque and going to their mosque in Saudi Arabia, you know, and Christianity is outlawed in Saudi Arabia pretty much. Mm. And uh, he got arrested there just for preaching the gospel outside this mosque. Eventually, he was deported to Eritrea and imprisoned. Mm. So that was the good news that these two people who were long-term prisoners were released. But then shortly after, authorities then re-arrested 15 Christians in Asmara. So they're back in prison. You know, some of them had been into prison for up to 16 years. So that wow. freedom was short-lived. Um, yeah, then we can talk about Pakistan. You know, we asked for prayer for Zafar Bhati, who'd been in prison in Pakistan since 2012. And... Um, he had been given a, a life sentence in 2017 for allegedly sending blasphemous text messages. Now, he's always denied that he'd sent that. Um, also, August this year, we asked for prayer for two Christian nurses, Miriam Lal and Navish Aruj, who were charged with defiling the Quran. And what had happened is their supervisor at their job instructed them to clean up a room and then also to clean up the walls where there were some Islamic stickers. When they removed these stickers, uh, where they were working in a hospital in Salabat uh, in Pakistan, uh, they were then arrested. A, a whole mob got upset because they, uh, as, as non-believers of Islam, had defiled the Quran by taking all the, these pictures down. Um, 
And so they were they were thrown into prison. Now, funny enough, you know, through a lot of prayer, we believe this happened. They were actually given bail. Now, normally, you're not given bail. For example, Fazar Bhatti, um, who had been in prison since 2012, was actually not a sentence until 2017, but he was not given bail. He was in prison for five years just waiting for this prison. I mean, for this... Uh, for this uh, judgment, this court session. Then we can go to Malaysia. In Malaysia, it's been five years since Pastor Raymond Paul was abducted. His whereabouts, his condition is still unknown. Mm. Tony Benjamin, the CEO and myself, actually went to the Malaysian consulate in Canberra uh, last year and delivered a petition of 65,000 signatures asking the Malaysian government to inform the world what had happened to Pastor Ko. Mm. But we've asked for more prayer generally there because they're very concerned about the increase in, um, you know, uh, we're focusing on Sharia law. 60% of the population is Islamic in Malaysia, and they're under Sharia law. It's illegal to convert them. But that law is being extended and causing unrest and unease in Malaysia as well. And then also there was a video released this year posted online identifying various Christians by name and then saying that they were enemies of the state, which was just a, a, a false accusation. Mm. Uh, going to India, for example, uh, in March, we asked for prayer for Christians after armed Hindu extremists in Madhya Pradesh disrupted a worship service in two churches. They beat the congregation uh, members and they pressured police to arrest more than 20 of these Christians on suspicion of what they call forcible conversions. Now, there's nobody in India that's forcing anybody to convert it. There's nobody in India that is bribing anybody with financial gain. Uh, to be converted. You know, a lot of the people who are sharing the gospel, they are poor. They are subsistence, you know, workers and farmers. And they just share the gospel because they love these people and want them to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and experience eternal life. But all these false accusations have been used. And out of the, the provinces and states there, the 30-odd, there's about nine of them now anti-conversion laws where you can get imprisoned. Well, if the police get you, Christians will actually get to people and they'll they'll actually execute them beat them, burn them with petrol. It's, it's just terrible. And uh, these you know, anti-conversion laws uh, in several states are now targeting pastors and evangelists. Um, looking at Burkina Faso, for example, where, you know, we, we're praying for the Christians there um, who are on the hit list of jihadists after a deadly attack in the north of the country which killed at least 100 people this year. And jihadists have been targeting pastors and priests, um, forcing churches to close their doors and they, of course, now have gone underground and have to meet in secret. And as persecution obviously increases in places, typically what happens, you go underground and sometimes you have to go deep underground with your with your faith and then you know pray, pray for wisdom that God will guide you to the right people to share the gospel with. Because mm-hmm. quite often you'll even have um, you know informants and spies masquerading as Christians, but they're government agents. And uh, then they will actually expose underground um, you know, churches. Mm-hmm. Nigeria, another one probably in the top three as far as persecution is concerned. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Christians in Nigeria, you know, central and the southern parts especially, but in the northern areas, the situations remain dire. Sinfalani herdsmen, yeah. uh, kidnappings of Christians, ransom continues. Um, and even during our winter months, you know, more than 140 children were abducted by suspected Fulani gunmen from a Christian school in Kaduna State. Mm. And then also... 30 Christians were killed by militant Fulani herdsmen in one night in Kaduna. Uh, August this year, more than 50 people were killed in an attack on a town in Biango near Joss. And uh, Joss is a place where we actually uh, do a fair bit of work with um, with persecuted Christians for a ministry there as well. 
But uh, at that August attack, about 300 homes and two churches and an orphanage were destroyed. And, uh, you know, 20,000 residents were displaced. Mm. So I'm just giving you snapshots here and there of what's happening around the world. We spoke about Afghanistan as well just a few months ago, the increase in persecution there. It's tough. It's tough for people and church leaders. And uh, we typically don't extradite people. We work within countries and support underground work and, and the ministry of the gospel, you know, and Bible distribution. Mm. But in this instance, where we had some uh, Muslim background believers, people who used to be Muslims, who became Christians, um, who were targeted. They were on this uh, on this list, this uh, national registry that fell into the hands of the Taliban. Mm. We actually had to get those people out. We had to get some orphans out. And uh, we did quite an extraction over that period just to, to save the lives of these people. So a, a tough year for many Christians in 2021. And uh, we are optimistic and praying for a better year in 2022. But, you know, for 15 years now, persecution has been increasing around the world, and it's mm. the worst has been in modern history. I mean, the numbers are like 340 million people last year, um, or yeah, last year basically, who actually suffered persecution. We'll have new data in January again to see what this year has been like, mm. but it has been very difficult. Yeah, totally. And it's like, ah, oh, you, you, you know, you brought up the, the situation happening in Nigeria there. And I think it's a very interesting one because at the moment it's considered one of the most violent places on earth to be a Christian. Um, but then at the same time, the U.S. State mm. Department has, has, uh, derate, you know, deregistered as a country of great concern. And so it feels like, oh man, even from governments in the Western world, you know, there, there are struggles and there's not much going on there. But, um, yeah, no, well, praise the Lord for sure. organizations like Voice of the Martyrs who are getting in there and helping out and, and getting it done. And this is our, look, our our Christian duty. Yeah, look, from time to time we hear stories and uh, it just doesn't make sense based on the, the information we're getting from the people on the ground. Mm. But, you know, as we prepare for the, the birth, uh, remembering the birth of our Lord, uh, we've got to remember to intercede for these people who are suffering because of their faith. And we know that the prayers of God's faithful people help, help them to stand strong even to give breakthroughs in regards to people sharing the gospel and even the enemies of the gospel coming to Christ. So we pray for uh, a blessing on, on uh, the persecuted this time and then also for uh, you know, a positive outcome in 2022 for the gospel to flourish. Even as we see in the West, you know, persecution increasing and that hostility towards the Christian worldview increasing as well. Definitely. Etienne, thank you for joining us yeah, this morning oh, with some powerful, powerful testimony of what's going on around the world and the great and dire situation that we're in. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.